When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to another episode of Bring Out the Podcasts. As always, I'm your host, Luke Thompson. Drew Schneider here with us today. Drew, my friend, how you doing? Good, man. Just uh, hanging out in uh, sort of gray, cloudy Athens today. <laughs> yeah. And Kansas State on a four-game win streak, 4-0 in the Big 12, doing a lot of crazy things that nobody expected, really. It's been awesome for Kansas State basketball. And this Saturday... A big game at TCU. The Horn Frogs coming off a, actually a couple of tough losses to Iowa State and Texas, but we brought on our good friend Stephen Chown, Sports Information Director for TCU Basketball. Stephen, how you doing? I'm good. I'm good. I'm, a lot of sports going on here at TCU, but thanks for having me. Yeah, yeah, we appreciate you coming on. Been a, a busy week for you. We're gonna focus on the basketball. You know, TCU's last two games have been. Two really close losses, kind of two different games where they almost made a big comeback against Iowa State, actually took the lead late, and then Iowa State hit the three to win. And then last night at Texas, the Longhorns were the ones coming back. So, I mean, for TCU, which one did you think they're going to look back more on and say, oh, we could have won or, or lose more sleepover? Yeah, it's really interesting. So you look at the first three games that TCU played, Texas Tech at home, same day as Fiesta Bowl very much a tech crowd there and pulled out a win, came from behind, pulled out a win. And then at Baylor came from behind, pulled out a win and then home against Iowa state led for only about 40 seconds of that game and still almost pulled out a win, but fell on that last second shot. So we had played three games and only led for a total of nine minutes in those three games and won two of them, including on the road. So that's pretty good uh, thievery there, just trying to <laughs> pull one out. And then, uh, like you said last night against Texas, quite the opposite, where we're playing with the lead for most of the game. We had a solid lead for 32 straight minutes, and it was 18 with, what was that, about three minutes to go in the first half, and then Texas cut it to 13 at the half. And then the second half, Texas kept chipping away and got it within two. And then TCU goes on a 10-0 run in the middle of the second half. And you have about a 12, 13-point lead with about nine minutes to go. And you feel pretty good. Texas just showed a lot of fight. It was a great crowd and a lot of shot making going on at the end between TCU and Texas. And, and, And Texas pulled it out. It's just... You guys have seen it, I'm sure, and all the listeners have too, how much of a fight the Big 12 is every single game. And we definitely noticed that here already with two really close wins and two really close losses. Yeah, I mean, I think K-State fans could have been forgiven for thinking that Oklahoma State at home would be an easy one. They were trailing at halftime, had to come back to pull it out. So just no off nights in the Big 12, for sure. Yeah, and that's the message, I think, from every coach is to – you know, tell them that every game is going to be like this and you can't think about that too much. You got to 
turn and look ahead to the next one because you're going to have another really good net opportunity and a most likely a top 25 team. And that's what TCU has on Saturday with the fourth straight top 25 team that we'll face. Yeah. But, you know, TCU on the flip side of that, they've got the veteran leaders that can probably guide the team through that, right? Guys like Mike Miles and Damian Bowe and yeah, yeah. If you if anyone um, looks at our roster, you'll see it looks almost the same as last year. Missing guard Francisco Farabello, but we gained a guard in Oklahoma State transfer Rondell Walker, and then Shahade Wells, who was injured last year, is back, and they're kind of taking up the minutes that Farabello had last year. And then, well, also last uh, last night, I should say, we were missing Micah Peavy, who's our best defensive presence and also a veteran. So of our scholarship guys, we have 12 of them. All of them are in their 20s. We have one <laughs> freshman who's 18, who's going to redshirt this year, PJ Haggerty. And so, yeah, it, it helps to have a veteran old team, which TCU really hasn't had under Dixon until this year. And if we've found out anything in college basketball, the older you are, the more successful you're going to be. If you look at, you know, the past couple national champions with Kansas last year and then Baylor the year before. Yeah. Yeah. When they got to show some of that resiliency early, had the the surprising loss to Northwestern State when Mike Miles was out. So obviously they came back from that, won their next, what, 11, 12 games. Yep. And so, you know, how did the team react to that? Was that like, a, hey, we need to reevaluate some things and, and fix it, move on? Or was it, hey, this is a fluke, let's burn the game film and, and move on? Well, and it wasn't just that third game. That was against Northwestern State in November. If you look at the two before that, a one-point win over Arkansas Pine Bluff, a game that TCU mm-hmm. was down 20 in that and came back and pulled it out by one. And then a win over Lamar which was a struggle until TCU ended up winning by 11. And so that all kind of culminated in that loss to Northwestern State, which TCU had a double-digit lead at some point, and then lost that and lost by one. Of course, without Mike Miles and a couple guys just didn't practice that week, it was really bizarre. But if you look at those three games, I would say are pretty fortunate to come out with one loss because just didn't play well at all. And like you said, Ever since then, 11-game win streak, won the Emerald Coast Classic by beating Cal and, at the time, number 25, Iowa, and then went on the road, played at the Utah Jazz Arena and beat Utah, very pro Utah crowd, of course, in Salt Lake City, and that was right before Christmas break, which is going to always be a tricky game. And so, yeah, really playing well. The thing that Coach Dixon's been on all year is rebounding. Our rebounding numbers aren't what they usually are under a Dixon team at TCU, but we're also forcing more turnovers, which can affect those rebounding numbers, of course. And that's a good thing. And TCU is playing faster. Yeah. Fastest, really the leading the nation in fast break points this year. And that's an emphasis from the beginning with just having veteran guards and two of the best in the conference for sure with Mike Miles and Damian Ball. Yeah, by the way, shout out to Cal. They won a couple conference games after yeah. going winless in the non-conference. So yeah. <laughs> but yeah, we talk about the guards, and I think that's the definitely the best matchup for Saturday. You know, Keontae Johnson and Marquise Noel are playing as well yeah. as anybody in the country. And like you said, Bob and, and Miles are pretty good too. I don't know, Drew, what do you see when you look at that matchup? I mean, when I look at the matchup, I just I wonder, is TCU a team that can shoot the ball and just hasn't been shooting well? Or are they just a bad shooter? 
scheme because I, if they don't shoot the ball well, I don't see a way forward for them against Kansas State the way Kansas State's been playing offense right now. You know, it's, it looks like it might be a sort of a mirror image of that Oklahoma State game. And so those are the, that's sort of the, what I'm sort of interested to see is if TCU can hit some outside shots. I mean, they're one of the worst shooting teams from three in the nation right now, as far as, you know, three point percentage goes. That's a tough deal if you're going to try to knock off, you know, Kansas State team who's really just on fire offensively. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's been the topic of conversation here all season. I think when you get to game, We've played 16. That's over half. I think you kind of know what you're at as far as shooting. I don't know if that improves much, especially against a league that has most of the top defenses in the country, if you look at the numbers. So it's hard to improve. So like last night, TCU went 4-15, and that's kind of around what we've been doing in conference play is is shooting under 30% from three, which isn't good enough. So coach keeps getting on um, defense and defending the three which for the most part we've done all right with, you know, his goal is is five or fewer from three. So really trying to limit the three-point shooting. That'll have to be, again, the case on Saturday. So I mean, if, you look at, if you look back at the stats, it's pretty incredible that TCU shot three of 14 in Waco and still put up 88 points and won that game. Yeah, so, uh, you know, our, our three-point shooting isn't falling, but we're emphasizing getting to the rim and layups now. I say that at Texas, they had the opportunity and missed 20 layups during the game. But we have the speed to get to the rim. Mike Miles does that so well. Uh, Emmanuel Miller, very versatile in and out at the four position. And he's kind of get to the rim. And then Eddie Lampkin just plays under the rim and brings a lot of energy and gets a lot of tip-ins. And, you know, last year we led the nation in offensive rebounding and it hasn't really seen that numbers wise this year but it's the same team so still very confident and when you miss a shot tcu is going to get the rebound so that's kind of what's also emphasized is take a good shot if you miss there's a good chance we can get the boards yeah and in the past that would have been really troubling for kansas state but i think this has been a better rebounding team this year not to say that they're great but mm-hmm. certainly better than they have been in the last few years so but I think the guy that we really got to talk about is Marquise Noel. He's the Oscar Robinson National Player of the Week. I can't remember if it was Wyatt or the TV guy. I think he described it well. I just said Marquise is on another planet right now. You know, he's he's doing a lot of things that have either never done, been done before or only guys like Steph Curry and Trey Young have done them before. I think it was the, the stat that's really going around is this last five games, he's averaging 25 points a game, 10 assists per game, and shooting 50% from three and, and from the field. So. Drew, I guess, you know, first of all, is that sustainable? How how close can he come to to keeping that up for the rest of conference play? (laughs) I mean, like, you've got to think that he's going to cool off at some point, right? Like, I, it's hard to imagine he can sustain it, but I keep saying that, and he keeps coming out and just dominating Mm -hmm. basketball games against good competition, so... I mean, maybe he's got plenty of energy. It's not like he's a dude that gets tired ever. He yeah. goes as hard as in the first minute as he does in the last minute of the game. So you know, it's just it's sort of fun to watch because a guy that talented at, at getting in, inside defenses and making decisions just surrounded by finishers, just people that can just finish at the rim. And then, of course, you've got his crazy deep 
threes that he likes to take mm-hmm. and make, which, you know, <laughs> yeah. he's a, yeah. I watch a lot of basketball and he's a, definitely the most fun player in the nation to watch right now. Yeah. He's just everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. I think Miles is an interesting matchup for Noel though, because Miles is so good at drawing fouls. And if you want to stop Noel right now, I think the best way to do that is just put him on the bench. Yeah. And Miles isn't what his free throw per 40 fouls drawn is in the top 25 in the nation. So I, I think that's the interesting matchup there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Mike Miles attacks the rim, draws contact really well, almost leans into guys. You'll see it if you haven't already, and really gets to the line. And he's a good free throw shooter. Probably no one on the team has improved their defense as much as Mike has. This year, he's really become a more complete player than in the past when you would probably think he's more just a jump shooter, but he's he's improved a lot here in his third year. Damian Ball is still the best defender of those two. And like I said, Micah Peavy, who can guard the perimeter, is mm-hmm. the best on-ball defender we'll have. So Damian Ball drew Marcus Carr last night on defense. So I'm guessing he'll be the one, and um, we'll have to see if Micah Peavy can play on Saturday with his back, but hopefully he can. But, yeah, no, it's it's going to be guards versus guards, and that'll be a lot of fun to watch. Yeah, and Stephen, you know, obviously you got to pick up Marquise as soon as he crosses half court, but also, you know, I mean, with his vision, the way he's been passing, kind of how do you have to adjust as a team defensively to that kind of player? I don't know. With DCU, they have – a lot of players that aren't assigned specific positions, if you know what I mean. Like I said, with Emmanuel Miller being inside out and very lengthy and very athletic, same thing with PV and Ba. So, you know, TCU doesn't do a lot of zone. That's never really been a, a Jamie Dixon thing. So I expect a lot of man-to-man. But I, I think the message I can tell you right now, because it's the message every game, is to out-rebound them by 10 and to limit the three-point shooting to five or less. And that's been a, a Jamie Dixon staple since I've been here, which is as long as he's been here. And that, that'll be the goals every game. And turnovers need to be 10 or less, which we did a great job there towards the, towards the end of December and even the beginning of conference play. And turnovers have been high the past two games, 18 at home against Iowa State and 14 last night against Texas. So limit those. And being at home, hopefully students are back. I think TCU has the longest Christmas break in the country. I swear they've been gone for a month. <laughs> and they're, they they return to class next Tuesday because of MLK Day on Monday. But I'm hoping they come back early this weekend and have our best crowd of the year because we've been missing them here with a bunch of games with no students, which is is always a struggle every season. Yeah, yeah. And uh, some of the other interesting numbers is you've got, you're going to have the three best field goal percentage shooters on the floor in this game. Yeah. yeah Keontae Johnson is leading the league because he's been so good at getting to the rim and finishing and also shooting well from outside. But, you know, TCU's Emmanuel Miller and Mike Miles are, are two and three. What do those guys do to be so efficient? Well, Mike uses his speed to get to the rim. He'll, you'll see, he'll get a, a lot of layups that you wonder how he got to the rim because he's just so fast. Besides being a a good jump shooter, if you know, look at percentages, though, you'll see he's not shooting that well from three, especially compared to past years. And Emmanuel Miller is just 
he's just full of energy and will outwork you in the paint. And he's improved his jump shooting a lot. He's a three-point threat, which, so he wasn't that at all at Texas A&M. He played at A&M the first two years. Didn't shoot many threes, didn't make hardly any. And then he's he's come here and really worked to be a perimeter shooter. And he's shown that a lot this year. He's almost guaranteed a three per game. And so he's he's been he's been going further from the rim and shooting a better percentage, which is really crazy and just shows how good he is. Mm-hmm. Um, he just has multiple ways of scoring. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So we're gonna take a quick commercial break here from our sponsors. We're back, Drew. You were saying you got a question about Emmanuel Miller. Yeah, I was just so Emmanuel Miller looks like on paper TCU's you know best outside shooting threat, but he doesn't particularly take a lot of threes. Is that something that you know Jamie Dixon might want to see him increase his outside shooting? Uh, it looks like Chuck O'Bannon takes a lot of threes. Mike Miles does, but you know Miller's only attempted twenty four, but he's hit eleven of those, and that's you know, far and away the best shooting performance on the roster right now. That's a good question. I haven't heard that asked all season. I would say it's because they want Emmanuel Miller to be under the basket and rebound. And I would say just because he's a, he's a four, he's a number four man and uh, shooting about 46% from three. That's a great point. 11 of 24, which is really good. And probably if you ask coach, he'll say that shooting 24 threes, is enough for your four who you want to be under the basket and get all the the rebounds he's a really good offensive rebounder but no that's that's a good observation because if you look at the rest of our three-point shooting that number stands out then you got chuck o'bannon who's probably our best regular three-point threat shooting 33 percent but yeah no that's a that's a that's a great point i have i think all frog fans would want him to shoot more and you feel comfortable with him shooting the three when you have that number too yeah yeah well, Drew, I was wondering, you know, as far as the front court, Kansas, I've been pleasantly surprised by how well they're holding up without David Gasson. We, we don't, I don't think we have much of an update on him. I know Kellis came on the podcast earlier this year and said that Jerome Tang does not give out much information on injuries. So who knows where he's at? But, you know, what do you think of the way those guys are playing? Ish Masood stepping up and, and some of the other big guys. I mean, yeah, Ish is definitely, you know, stepping up. He's hit a couple big shots. He's still not the maybe smoothest athlete out there. Sometimes he'll do stuff like bounce ball off his foot or just not quite bend down and pick up a pass. But when he's been in, he's looked much better. He looks more comfortable. You know, when he gets open looks from three, he, he hits them and he's not afraid of the big moment, as you saw against you know, Texas. And then, you know, Bebe has done great in Gusan's absence. He's really stepped up his game sort of the high energy sort of banger underneath. I mean, he's not that big as a, you know, I say that 6'10", 220 is huge, but, you know, he, he plays a, a bigger than he is, I guess, as far as weight-wise, that he's not afraid to sort of bang inside. And that's going to be super helpful against TCU because Lankin's just a beast underneath the basket. Right, that's, yeah. Uh, you know, he's one of the best offensive rebounders in the nation and I mean Tomlin he's got Tomlin by 50 pounds <laughs> baby by you know 30 something pounds so it's gonna be tough if he gets sort of lodged down under the goal unless Keontae Johnson comes and puts his rear end into him 
I don't think there's going to be much anybody that can move him out. So Kansas State's going to have to do their work early on Lampkin and try to keep him from getting deep post position or even just good rebounding position because he's going to be an issue if that happens. Yeah, yeah, and I did want to talk about him. I mean, we saw Caleb Boone from Oklahoma State, who's only 6'9", 198, go off for a career high on Kansas State. You know, uh, Lampkin's a lot bigger than that, 6'11", 263. And, you know, he did have a, a pretty big game against Providence where he went for a double-double. How capable was he of kind of going off for a night like that? Yeah, he hasn't shown as much offensively as you would expect but he does so many other things that have really helped. If you watch the game last night, his line doesn't stand out a lot, but he did a lot with passing and screens, and he always brings energy. That's it, Most coaches have to try to get stuff out of guys and get energy out of guys. You never have to worry about that with Eddie because he always brings the energy every game. That's kind of his thing. And we look at him now. I noticed this last night. It's really interesting. He has scored 109 points and he has 110 rebounds. It's very Hmm. close. And his rebounds, 55 of them offense, 55 of them defense. Wow. Very fascinating. I think that number was pretty similar last year too. If you look at his end of year numbers, it's about the same. So he's just solid. I don't expect him to go off. Obviously, he did that last year in the NCAA tournament in the second round. He had that huge game against Arizona, double-double. He had over 20 points and over 10 rebounds in that overtime game and had a lot of huge baskets. So if there's a mismatch, he can exploit it. He, he's a big body, and he uses it pretty well. Yeah, I mean, I think we just wear K-State's hats in trouble defending guys like that so far this year. But we'll see how it goes. Um now, it does seem like, and looking at the bigger picture, this is more of a classic Jamie Dixon team where the defensive efficiency is a lot greater than the offensive efficiency. You know, we've talked about how that hasn't really been the case in the past. Do you think, like, is he more comfortable with a team like that? You know, that's kind of what he's used to? Or Yeah, there's been a lot of comparisons to this team to some of his pit teams being really sound defensively, even though he will be quick to remind you that several of his pit teams were uh, – the top of defensive rankings, but everyone like the, just like you always think the Pittsburgh Steelers are, are a good <laughs> defensive team, you always think the Pitt Panthers are a good defensive team. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, this team definitely reflects more of a, of a Dixon like team. And, and he, like you all mentioned, with the offensive numbers and the offensive shooting isn't there. So he's trying to make defense the thing. So defense needs to be sound and get out and fast break. So you have a team that's not really good offensively, but yet you lead the nation in fast break points. So they're playing fast. Just the percentages aren't really there. You're scoring a lot of points, but your shooting's not great. You're shooting under 30 from three, which isn't great. So, but yeah, defense is, they're trying to be the the best defensive team in the country. It's just really hard when, you're in a conference full of best defensive teams in the country. Yeah. yeah. In fact, yeah, you talk about playing fast. TCU is ranked 57th in Ken Palm tempo rankings, adjusted tempo rankings. So that's, that's pretty high up there. That's cool. Of course, K-State's a lot higher this year. So, yeah, could be a more fun game to watch maybe than in, in past K-State TCU matchups. Yeah, no, you got a taste of that last night at, at Texas. Texas 10th in fast break points. TCU ranked first, and it was up and down if anyone watched that game especially in the second half when it was going back and forth and 
TCU trying to withstand the Texas comeback. So it's been a lot of fun. You'll see it. They'll just get and go. You know, as a KU grad, I just reminds me of Royce yeah. where you try to even get a fast break off of makes. Yeah. yeah. So last thing I want to ask you before we get to the prediction is, uh, you know, obviously the expectations for TCU were pretty high. They were, you know, even a top 10 team, according to some, I think top 15, top 20 preseason. So did those higher expectations outside the program affect the mindset inside the program at all, do you think? I don't think so because this team is very confident. They left the NCAA tournament last year in San Diego really hungry to return and do better, take the next step for the program, make the Sweet 16, finish high in the league, win the league. That's been the goal from early summer when practices started. So the outside expectations don't outweigh the expectations that they've placed on themselves and so that's really i don't think that's affecting them mentally but it is different playing with those expectations and that's kind of what i thought would be the storyline going into the season is you're used to being the team that's picked 10th one year we picked ninth picked eighth you know playing in that wednesday game in kansas city and now you're the team that's a projected tournament team going into the season, which is completely different. But that's yeah. what they all came back for. You know, pretty much everyone came back to exceed those expectations and, and meet right. them. Right. Yeah. So oh, what do you see happening on Saturday? Kansas State goes for, for five straight. An interesting fact that you might enjoy, actually, I was looking it up. And I think this is the first time three teams have been 4-0 in Big 12 play since 2007-2008 season when it was Kansas, Kansas State, and Baylor. So, obviously, that'll end Saturday because KU plays Iowa State. But Yeah, it's interesting. If you look at the series history with these two schools, the last two years, they've each won on the road. TCU seems to win up the K-State pretty often, and then K-State comes here and wins pretty often. First time both teams have played each other while they're both ranked in the series history. It's going to be a high-scoring game, I think, with how K-State scores and how TCU runs. And I think we'll have a good crowd here. I think most students will be back and hungry to come and watch a, a Big 12 basketball game, which they haven't done yet, in a top 25 matchup here. So I, I feel, obviously... I always feel good about the Frogs' chances. So I, I think it'll be a great game, and I guarantee you it'll be a close game. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I, 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 you know, I would say K, TCU could win by five, and TCU could win by one. I don't, I don't know. It's, yeah. it's just going to be, it's going to be a close game. It's going to be back and forth the whole way, and the goal will be to withstand the K State shooting and defend and out rebound better than they did in the second half at texas when texas scored 50 in the second half yeah yeah so, yeah well Frogs by five all right what do you think drew and then you know this is probably a silly question because tcu is a really good team but is there any danger of k-state looking ahead to the huge matchup in bramlage against kansas on tuesday yeah i don't think so i think these guys have been around i mean the whole team is He's been around the block for college basketball, so uh, these guys have seen plenty of ball, especially the starters. So I don't think they'll be overlooked, buddy. Especially headed down to a really good TCU team, and I think Steve Wright's going to be a, a sort of toss-up either way. I, I don't see either team being able to blow the other team off the court. Although 
if TCU does try to run with Kansas State, we saw what happened right when Texas tried to do that, <laughs> and it didn't end up well for the Longhorns. So running with Keontae Johnson and, and Marquise Nolan uh, is not a good choice this season unless you can really play some defense. But I think I like the Wildcats in this one. I think they're going to just continue their sweep of uh, teams here on the road. We've got Longhorns and the Bears already sort of on the mantle. Put a horn frog up there as well. I'm gonna say, <laughs> uh, Kansas State, 82, TCU, like 76, 77, something like that. Yeah. All right. Sounds good. We're looking forward to it. It's going to be a great game Saturday. Drew and Steven, thanks for coming on. You know, Steven, you do great work uh, over at gofrogs.com, the official team site. People can check that out. I don't know. Anything you want to promote over there, Steven? No, no. Thanks for having me back. Go Chiefs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What do you think of that Atlanta for the neutral site? I did not know that was, yeah, I did not know that was picked. Yeah. That is news to me. We've had too much TCU sports going on here <laughs> with football season playing as long as they did and, and basketball. So that is, I don't like that. I, I don't know why they're changing the rules. Yeah. Yeah. It's tough. Tough situation on the road. All right. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah.